I held this podcast an extra six hours because I thought maybe something special would happen in the Patriots game tonight. I thought that maybe they would preserve their playoff chances, that the old Belichick magic would be back, that he would prove that he owned Sean McVay, that Damian Harris would rush for 200 yards. I was fired up for this game. Well, the Patriots got killed and they have a quarterback that can't throw the ball 10 yards. So there you go. End of season. Great run. I love being in the playoffs every year. It's not going to happen anymore. Oh, well. Coming up, John Hamm talking movies and sports. Peter Schrager is going to talk football with me. It is all next. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? At first half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time, that's usually about. 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where I popped on a bunch of Ringer podcasts this week. Not just this one. I did the rewatchables. We did the program, me and Rosillo and Kyle Brandt. I did a new book of basketball podcast about Rick Barry, Malcolm Gladwell, and Tony Kornheiser. We're on that one. I went on 60 songs that explain the 90s. Rob Harvilla's music podcast that he does for The Ringer exclusively on Spotify. We talked about the Smashing Pumpkin song, Mayonnaise. So that happened. I went on The Mismatch with Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon. We talked about James Harden and um, where he might be going and what this means for the NBA, all that stuff. And then Dave Jacoby and I, we premiered our Challenge Recaps on uh, the Ringer Dish podcast, which I hope you're subscribing to. Every Wednesday night, right after MTV's challenge ends, we put up a recap. We tape it in advance. They send us the screeners. We keep it hush-hush. Do the pod. The challenge ends. I think it ends at uh, 9.30 Eastern time. And then we throw that podcast up on Ringer Dish. That would be happening for the next, I don't know, four plus months. Oh, I did another podcast too. Mallory Rubin and I talked about a teacher. The FX series, we did that for the TV Concierge podcast. So it was like 25 minutes. So yeah, a lot of stuff this week. A little too much. Probably a little bit of overload. So something for everybody. TV, music, movies, sports, NBA. Had it all. Tried to spread myself out. Uh, coming up, John Hamm, Peter Schrager. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs>
All right, John Hamm is here celebrating the 10-year anniversary of when he let Affleck get away in the town. God knows what that dude's doing in Florida. What kind of robberies he's planning. <laughs> what if he's just, like, chilling? What if he's, like, he became, like, an old dude? He's, like, I don't know. He's wearing some Bermuda shorts. He's got a fun hat. He's got, like, a tiny grapefruit orchard. He's just, like, I think- like feeling it. I think that's what they wanted us to think at the end, that all the uh, the cop shootings and the bank robbers were behind him. And now he just wanted to coach a Little League team in Florida. Exactly. He got it out of his system. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a strong, you know, that's a lot of, like a lot of uh, Cuban-American uh, immigrants that are of questionable age. And he's he's got a strong uh, Little League team there. <laughs> uh, I'm catching you during a Zoom junket. And Zoom junket, man. In the old days, it. you have a new you have a new movie out called Wild Mountain Time. Um, in the old days, you had been flying around. You would have done the LA thing. You'd done the New York thing. Um, we're, doing a, we're doing a walk and talk. We're doing like a Aaron. Yeah, Stoker now you can do a thing. walk and talk, but you get to you get to promote the movie from your own house and just oh, stay on Zoom you. all day and do a bunch of interviews. I'm in sweatpants. I'm in. I get to drink coffee. I'm like, this is my dog is fully asleep on his little uh, dog bed. Uh, you know, it's 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 all of the getting up early in the morning and none of the like having to put on a suit and wear hair and makeup and do all the nonsense in some weird room in some weird hotel that you just want to not be in. Um, since the last time we talked, a lot of stuff has happened in sports, um, including me getting voted out of our fantasy league. So I didn't even get to see you this year for the draft. Um, I know you were delighted to see me voted out. You got voted out, I think, like five, six years ago. Was it um, that long ago? Something like that. You showed up late. We were waiting for you. You arrived. <laughs> you you ordered a beer. You sat down. And within three minutes, it was over. This one was weird because we had the pandemic. I just kind of got voted out on, on email, and that was it. <laughs> I didn't even feel like I got the money well, shot you, out of it. But now you say like you say I was late like I was like being irresponsible. I was late because I was coming from shooting Mad Men. So I was rushing down Sunset Boulevard. I took right. you know, shot downtown. I'm like, got to be like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm perennially on time. I'm like a crazy, punctual person. And like I so I'm rushing to make the thing and we're in some weird place on sunset and upstairs in some private room. Yes. It wasn't even a private room. It was like an upstairs, like non-used space. And yeah, I sat down, I got Budweiser and they're like, you're out. Like, okay, well, there we go. Let's put it all away. And like, <laughs> it was unbelievable. I, I was so bad. I was like, you voted on him? What the hell? Um, yeah, so I'm out so that we don't get the whole fantasy thing. But I I, I started my I started a keeper league. Now I'm I'm coming back next year. I I claimed I was quitting, but I'm not. I'm coming I back. I know. I you can't it's you're you're uh, you're Al Pacino. Every time you say you're out, they it pulls you back in. Yeah. I um I'm in way too many leagues this year. Like my friend from us it's because of pandemic, everyone wanted to be in wanted to do something yeah the nfl actually had a version of a season was like okay i guess we're doing this although you know it's it's funny when when they they're like oh the broncos don't have any quarterbacks tough shit you're playing anyway and then like oh lamar jackson's out let's move that game uh we're gonna need to move that game a couple times uh yeah, they, they can't decide whether to be punitive or helpful. It really depends on the situation and how people got COVID. I think it depends on your record, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you're if you're ten and zero, then you get a little leeway, and if uh, you have the former MVP, then you get a little leeway, and if you're the Broncos, peace Sayonara. out. Sayonara. Yeah, the Broncos <laughs> thing. 
that felt like was, a sports oh, man, movie. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being whoever the guy was, like starting at the at quarterback at the NFL, having taken exactly zero snaps ever? It's like it's the worst version of Rudy, like right. where you're just or or Paper Lion, like right? It's like they might as well have put George Plimpton in there. Like it was just there's just no version of that where that's successful. Well, I, no, I there is a version. There, there, it would have been a sports movie where everything could be successful in a sports movie. He comes exactly. in, he's he probably, he has some baggage in the back. You know, sure. It's like, he's For got sure. some skeleton in the closet. He's hoping yeah. never comes out, but he has a successful game. Then the backlash, and then he has to get through it. And there's the woman sure. who's believed For him the sure. whole time. But, yeah, somebody read it. But in reality, the guy goes one for 26 <laughs> and, and gets his head torn off. Like, yeah. That's what the real version of that is. So you, you, last time you were on, we talked about this, but we can go over it quickly because things have changed. You were, you're a St. Louis guy. Yes, that has changed. And the Rams come back and then the Rams leave and they come to LA and then you're kind of nomad. And then the Chiefs win. You kind of glommed onto the Chiefs thing a little bit. I saw what you were doing. Hey, it was a glom listen, on. It's, it's still a Missouri team. I have every right to jump onto that bandwagon. I, I, that's not like me all of a sudden becoming a Lions fan. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I remember I said this exact phrase to Roger Goodell at some Super Bowl a couple years ago, I was like, you know, you've successfully taken two franchises from my hometown. Mm. Like, what are we going to do about this? And he kind of laughed and patted me on the back and got in a limo, which I think was exactly the right response. He's like, I love Mad Men. I'll see you later. Great job. Great job on the show. (laughs) Yeah. I think the Missouri thing, I don't know. I, I, I know you have some Kansas City friends. They were okay yes. with it. They were okay with with welcome you to the, what to am the I supposed bandwagon. To like you know, I mean, I, uh, there's 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 very few options. I'm not going to be a Bears fan. Yeah. Uh, then the other, I guess, closest team would be like Tennessee. So you didn't want to go. You didn't want to go L.A. You didn't want to follow them to L.A. where you where you, you live. Know, the thing about the the thing about the Rams is I I, I grew up in the 70s. We're about the same age. I'm I'm assuming like. They yeah. were always the LA Rams to me, even when they were yeah. the St. Louis Rams. Like, I don't know. I, I still think of the of the Colts as the Baltimore Colts. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just that's my era. Um, you know, I I was a Cardinal fan way longer than they stayed in St. Louis. I rooted for them in Arizona, and then that was a that franchise has had it rough. But when they went to the Super Bowl, I was super happy. You know. They almost won. That was such a good Super Bowl when they almost came back. I think we watched that at Kimmel's, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The St. Uh, Louis one. Came back against uh, against um, Pittsburgh, right? That was a great one. The St. Louis Cards had a nice little run there in the 70s. Yeah, it is weird. I, 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 people think the Rams left St. Louis, but then you had another team that has to be at least tied for the record. It's losing two be. teams. I don't think, I, there's, who else has that? New York, maybe? I don't know. Like, yeah. That's it. Uh, so they so they welcomed you. And were you with were you in the Paul Rudd suite when the Chiefs yeah, won when everybody he, was crying? It sounded emotional. He was well, he was there with his 15-year-old son. And yeah. you know, it's like the first time you win any championship. I was eleven uh, twelve when the Cardinals won the 82 World Series, which was my first time seeing any team I care about win a championship. And it, it's yeah. just like you don't know what to do, you know, when you're, when you're that young, you're crazy. And he was so emotional uh, 
both Paul and his son. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was just so sweet. Like it was such a pure kind of like moment of fan and family and father, son. And, and I, what I loved about Paul's son, Jack was, he was wearing a, a, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's the doctor that was the Chiefs lineman who who opted out this year. Uh, Duvernay Tardif, right? That, that was the jersey he chose. He didn't go Mahomes. He didn't go wow. Duvernay Tardif. Which I was like, right on, dude. Cool move. That was such a cool way to win the Super Bowl too, where they where it looked grim. It was like third and nineteen or whatever, and Mahomes made like one of the great plays in Super Bowl history. To I mean, the kid to is make it happen. he's magic, man. He is magic. Like it's it's a uh, it was it was a, it was definitely a, the the tonic we needed after the snooze fest of the, the Super Bowl the previous year. Oh my God! Yeah, it's funny. You know, I obviously think Brady is the goat for a variety of reasons and he certainly had the best career and he's come through the most times, but Mahomes is just clearly the most talented quarterback ever. So it's, if he could just stay healthy, it's going to happen. It is. He'll, there he'll be it is, the goat. Right. I mean, there it is. It's like, you know, what if, what if Barry Sanders played on a team with a, any kind of offensive line, like he could have had 400,000 rushing yards. Like right. you just never know. So hopefully they'll, They'll keep uh, they'll keep the talent around him and keep him safe. But uh, look, I mean, it's uh, ostensibly illegal to hit the quarterback now. So I think that you know, barring any any uh, barring any you know fluke, he'll be he'll be fine. He's also like a super good dude. I've met him a couple times. He's like the nicest kid. Like clearly has great parents. Like got raised the right way. Like he's just a good dude. Yeah, it's funny. He's the only QB who really it seems unfair sometimes. Where. <laughs> It's like third and 12. The defense does everything correctly. And then five seconds into the play is like, cool. And he just runs for 14 <laughs> yards, goes exactly. out of bounds, doesn't get touched. And you're just like, all right, come on. It's the, yeah. like the opposite of the Jets defense. Like if the defense does <laughs> right. everything right and they still get boned, that's like that's facing Mahomes. You know, see, you haven't been on the pod since this movie came out, but we talked about it. But I thought we could just talk about it again here. The, uh, so Beirut came out and mm-hmm. it was really good. Mm-hmm. And I said to you after, I was like, that movie was really good. What happened? How does, what's the process of a movie not finding the audience it should have found? And you were like, that's happened to me a couple of times. It sucks. But yeah, I mean, this I'm, is I'm just the, the king, way it goes. I'm the king of being in movies that people are like, hey man, I saw that movie on the airplane. It was really good. You're really good. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Because Million Dollar Arm was like that for us too, where people yeah. found it. And, they, and it was like, oh, I love that movie. I when did it come out? And it's like, yeah, thanks. Well, it came out within the case of Million Dollar Arm. It came out on the same weekend as like Godzilla or something. It was literally got or Avengers, yeah, at yeah. The, somebody at the box killed office. It. Like it was right. just there was no room. Um, and Beirut was just you know it's an independent film. Like it's a small movie. Like um, I did a movie like that called the uh, the Torture Report that or the Report that was with Annette Benning and Adam Driver and everybody. It was another great film like it, it just we're in a world where you're either in a 200 million dollar movie or you're not in a movie like that's kind of how it works and then you, the, the 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 it has to kind of get sifted through all of the other stuff to to, to for people to find it and eventually people do um I, I you know i think i'm so proud of beirut like we shot that thing in six weeks in morocco in 100 degree heat during ramadan 
Mm. It was it was a rough one. Summer of 2016, so like Trump was ascending. There was all this madness in the world. There was a coup in Turkey. Like half of our crew got stuck, and it was bonkers. Like, but we made this beautiful film, and and um, and it's kind of relevant now, especially given given what's going on. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, not not to make the world's clumsiest segue, but it's a little bit like Wild Mountain Time. Like we made this movie in Ireland, it, seemingly out of time. We were in this beautiful place in Ireland that was just so peaceful and lovely and blustery and Irish, and there's rainbows, and you're just like, "Are you kidding me? This is like beautiful." And then six months later, the world is locked down. <laughs> right, it was awful. And then the movie comes out and it's and it's this beautiful kind of like love story that it's sort of the perfect balm for the terrible year that 2020 has been so hopefully people will see it you know i look at we we've got more ways than ever to consume entertainment now and it's and it's harder than ever to find something that you want to watch i mean how many times have you gone through netflix and just been like hmm you know i don't want to what i want to watch i don't know what i want to watch i don't know what i want to watch i feel like i've seen every movie now <laughs> I, I've seen. Has all that of been them. your? Has that been your pandemic? Like you've just really been like. <laughs> I just plowing through. through. Stuff? I'm plowing through everything. I'm like in the 70s now, just plowing through 70s. Hey man, movies. good. Um, good. I think the thing you mentioned though about when movies get lost, it feels like that. That's going to start to flip, as people go to streaming now, and you need like even what happened with HBO Max, where they're just like, yeah, we're just going to put all all the Warner movies on HBO max. And maybe that's where we're heading where, you know, like a movie like, Ma sure. like Manchester by the sea is a good example, right? Where those are the kind of movies that people don't make anymore. Right. And it feels like that's actually the kind of movie that people should be making now. If you're Amazon, Netflix, whoever, because it's oh, like and, and 15, 20 million and you bang and it And that's out. who's making them. I mean, that's exactly who's making them. You know, we're, we're going to, uh, we're rebooting Fletch, right? So we're, we've got the, the rights to the, the novels. There was 11 novels that Gregory McDonald wrote and we're, we're going to do our own take on it. It's, we're not trying to imitate Chevy Chase and it's, you know, it's going to be what it is. And, and so we're excited to make this movie, but you know, it's like in, in, in a normal time that would, you would take that to Paramount or Warner Brothers or wherever and say like, Hey, we got this great idea. And they'd go, great. Here's $40 million. Go make it. And now it's kind of like they're not in that business anymore. They're just yeah. not. Um, so it's it's no. He would have to be a superhero or something. Or exactly, superpower like yeah, or, or 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 a comic. It's some kind of like graphic novel adaptation. There has to be a you know IP that that people identify with, which it kind of is. But like they still, it's that's just not the business that they're in anymore. So so it's fallen to the the streamers. Yeah. Um, you know, you either make a movie for $5 million, like Wild, Wild Mountain Time or, or $1 million, or you make a movie for $250 million. <laughs> like that's, that's the, that's how wide the, the chasm is between those things. And, you know, I think, I think it's a bummer. I think that there's a world where those mid range stories, I mean, the town's a perfect example. Like the Warner brothers made the town in 2009 and we made that for 30 something million dollars. And it was seen as a huge risk. You're right. But you also have like $280 million like wrapped up in, you know, the Lone Ranger or whatever, you know, whatever thing that you're trying to reboot. And, and, and yet here we are like, so I don't know if I like, like a lot of things. I, I wish I ran the, uh, I wish I ran the world so I could make decisions. But I don't get to do that. We did a rewatchables about Fletch. I'm going to say like five, six months ago. 
And when we do that, we do a lot of, I do a lot of research for it, try to find out history of things, stuff like that. Uh There were a lot of reboots attempted. And it's it's like this checkered history of people going, taking it to the one yard line and then things falling apart or they had this. And Kevin Smith was like really involved. Kevin Smith was on it for a long time. There, There were a lot of people that really wanted to, to redo it because it's, as you saw, if you rewatched it recently, and I watched it recently again too, it's funny. Yeah. And the character's funny. It's like he's kind of this, you know, why wouldn't you want to see more of that? Like I remember when the sequel came out and everyone was like, this is going to be awesome. And then you were like, oh, they did what they used to do with sequels, which is like make more of the stuff you didn't want to see and less of the stuff that you did. Sequel's brutal. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's It, it was a really fun rewatch. And it it's Chevy Chase basically saying, I'm just going to be a wise-ass dick but somehow you're going to like me as the hero of the movie, which nobody really does anymore. It, it was kind of like, he kind of invented it almost. But well, unfortunately, I think that is maybe who he became <laughs> over the course of time. I, but. I, th- I think, I think, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that sadly was the coda to that uh, story. But, um, but no, he was, he was charming and, you know, irreverent. There you go. Like that's, that's a, that's a pretty good combination of, of, of things. So yeah, it's, um, we're, we're trying to find some of that, you know, we're, we're, what we're really trying to do with the reboot is, is get to a, a, a much more of a, a place where the novels were, which is he's, he's charming and irreverent, but he's also, he's less that goofy kind of prat folly fall down, get your head stuck in a light fixture kind of guy and more yeah. of a more, more intellectual in his approach, you know, the, the the, uh, the book that we're adapting actually originally took place in Boston, but we're moving it to New York for whatever reasons. And, um, and there's more of a, cause you hate Boston. Why don't you just be honest? We fucking kicked your ass in the world series. That's why you moved it. Just be honest. Listen, I, we can talk about how many championships our respective b- baseball teams have. <laughs> and I, I will still come on out on top. You know, you had a good run. You had a nice run. We had a nice 20 year run. And it feels yeah. like it's over. Do you well? I mean, do we want to talk about uh, you know maybe stealing signs or anything? But well, we don't need to. Talk nah, no, nah. there's been no no proof. <laughs> proof. <laughs> um. Anyways, yeah. So you know, there's there's a lot of of there's a lot of stuff like the, there's nine novels worth of this character, and it's yeah. I remember reading them as a kid, and after I saw Fletch, whenever it was eighty five, so I was like a teenager, and I thought, and I was, I didn't know they made movies out of books. I didn't know that was a thing. Like I just thought yeah. they made movies, and there were movies and books. And I was in a bookstore once, and I saw like the thing, you know, the novelization where they had Fletch and the picture from the thing. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I was thumbing through, and they're like, here's other books with Fletch. And I was like, whoa, there's other books with this guy. And there's one where he goes to Rio and there's one where he goes to the, you know, wherever. And so I was like, I immediately like acquired all of those books and, and read them. And I was like, oh, wow, there's so many more stories. I can't wait for Hollywood to make more of these. And then they made that sequel. And I was like, well, they, I hope they don't make any more of these. Well, the author did something interesting. He had control over how they did the movies, which you know, just about any author doesn't think to do that. So he's like vetoing potential stars yeah, and, yeah. you know, was very protective over the IP, which was pretty cool. Which was why it was, it was really cool that his estate let us do this. Um, yeah. We, we got, we got permission and you know, that's a, that's a big, a big deal and big part of it to get the kind of blessing where you, 
yeah. you can move forward. And, and, you know, we got Greg Matola directing, who's awesome. And, and he's rewriting the script and we've got a bunch of people that we think are going to be pretty I'm excited for so hopefully, it. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. Have you found during the uh, pandemic streaming era when everybody's just binge watching whatever they can is, is Mad Men getting a second life yet? Cause it's been, I don't oh, know, for sure. what, 15 years since the first 15 season? 15 years since the pilot. Yeah. yeah. Um, the interesting thing was, I guess sometime around March or April. So like early lockdown, uh, the deal with Netflix expired. Mm. So there was this whole like wave of people like, Oh shit, it's leaving Netflix. We got to like, we got to watch it before it goes wherever it goes. I think it's on Amazon now or something, but, um, so yeah, like (laughs) the, the, the funniest, the funniest story was, uh, I got a, I got a text again, deep pandemic, deep lockdown from Andy Samberg. Who's like, Hey man, uh, how you doing? How's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm good, man. Everything's good. You know, hope you're good. He's got a little baby at home. I was like, hope everybody's healthy you know, just kind of riding it out here. And he's like, I got to tell you, man, I've really been, I've really been getting into Mad Men. I, I, I never could tell you over the years, but I never watched it. And I was like... <laughs> yeah, why would that hurt your feelings? Yeah, I'm like, that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't it's not like you lied to me and said like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Um, but you did host the Emmys when I won and <laughs> tell me how great I was, but whatever. Um, but he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I just never got around to it. And, you know, me and Joanna, his wife were like, we're just really like, we, I've been so into it. Like, I was like, well, yeah, it's kind of engenders that kind of watching. Like once you get into it, you really get into it. And he's like, no, I just got to tell you, like I've been, so that was a, you know, I've had a few versions of that where people have just been like, I can't tell you, oh my God, I never. I never finished it or I never like, you know, whatever. And I just been watching it. And I, I've definitely had a lot of people. My version of that has been the Sopranos. Like, yeah, uh, I, I went, I went back and, and started watching the Sopranos from the beginning. And I'm just like, Holy moly, man, this show, it's so good. And he's so good and everybody's so good in it. And the story is so compelling. And it just, it's like a slow motion car crash. You know, you just see where it's going and you think, I know how this ends. I know how this ends and it's not good, but it's I so did that compelling. before the pandemic and just threw myself into it. And it was so much fun. Did the same thing with the wire. I've been saving Mad Men. The cool thing about Mad Men is because it's confined to an era, it's never dated. Right. Cause you see yeah. some of these, like the Sopranos, there's a couple of moments where like, ah, that's a little dated, but it's still fun. Right. That's but a little, when you, that's a little when you're rooted in the, in the fifties and sixties, that's it. It just becomes timeless. Yeah, exactly. And especially because the show, the show's attention to detail was so specific and so um, complete that you're never kind of pulled out of that. It's never like, oh, well, there's a guy with a weird haircut. Like, why would he be there? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, we had, I remember during the show, there were a couple of, you know, kind of like hangers on and whatever it was. Pan Am or some, you know, version of shows that were trying to kind of piggyback on the success. And it was like, yeah, good luck to them. It doesn't work unless you go all in. Like you have to like, really, you know, you can't, but whatever, give Margot Robbie a career. So they have, (laughs) Oh, is that, was she on that one? I forgot. Yeah. Um, when you did this new movie, did you just want to go to Ireland for four months or did you like the script? Was it, what was it? 50, 50? It wasn't 50, 50. Like I, I, the Ireland stuff was a complete bonus. Like yeah. for me, it was working with John Patrick Shanley who, who did you know, Moonstruck and Joe versus the volcano and all this other stuff. He is a, a hero of mine. And I've, mm. I've had met him a couple times. He's like a, he's a 
quintessential New York guy, Irish Catholic, like the whole thing, wears his heart on his sleeve. He's an amazing writer, amazing creative force. And I loved his work. And I'd seen the play that this movie was based on. And, and in the play, my character's just spoken about. There's, he doesn't have any lines. He doesn't have any words. So and essentially, I got to like originate this, this character, which was kind of cool. Yeah. And, and, and it was a straight offer. He was like, I really want you to play this part. I want you to, be, to come do this. And I was like, oh, and it's in Ireland? Like, okay, sure. That sounds amazing. And it was. It was amazing. I had never been to Ireland. Uh, it definitely made me want to go back. Uh, nine out of 10 people that watch this movie are like, I want to go to Ireland immediately. It's like, cause it really does. He represents, and it's, you know, it's getting kind of like a little blowback mostly from the Irish. Cause they, they like nothing more than complaining about depictions of them of themselves. Kind of like people from Boston. I was going to um, say that. Remember, <laughs> Boston is, it comes from Ireland and England. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shared DNA there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, then they begrudgingly love it. So it's kind of like it, it comes full circle. They wouldn't, it wouldn't be good unless they complained about it. That's, that's my take. Um, but the, you know, the Irish are like, Oh, it's you, you're, this is like, you're telling this weird fairy tale. Not all of us are farmers. Some of us work for Google and you're like, yeah, fine. We're not telling the story about the Irish tech boom of the nineties. Like we're, we're, this is not what we're doing. We're telling a fable. It's a, it's a fable and it's a beautifully told like, snark free it's just earnest it's a love story and like again like i said like it that sensibility and that kind of emotion and that tone is like the perfect antidote for all of 2020 when it's just everybody's angry and people want to like burn down state houses and you're just like or you could watch a love story and like chill for an hour and a half the Irish people are like, you think you're better than me? <laughs> <laughs> you're not better than me. You're not better than me. Who are you, John Hamm? Um, what was your most fun night in Ireland? Did you and, have a night I, where you just wandered into the wrong pub and ended up no, making I, I, seven I, I, friends we, or anything? There that was stuff? never like, well, yeah, that happened everywhere. Like, yeah. it, it really, it really is. Again, it sounds like a cliche or it sounds like a stereotype, but it's just people are friendly. Yeah, And especially in pubs and especially when the music's playing and everybody's like, that's what they're there for. They're there for the community experience. They're there for the thing. And again, it feels like it was a hundred years ago because you're looking around or I'm remembering being in a place where there's 65 people singing, drinking, breathing in each other's faces. Like, yeah. I hope we get to do that again soon. But like, it was so lovely. Like Krasinski came over um, because Emily is his wife and they yeah. brought the kids and the whole thing. And, and the producers would hang out and John would come out and it was just, everybody was so nice. There was no like Hollywood nonsense. There was no, you know, crazy. It was just, it, first of all, we were in a town of, I don't know, a thousand people, Balana. It's mm. this, eensy little town and there was sort of one pub and it was the owner was there and bartending and you know his uh his wife would come in like it was just it was so friendly and family and lovely and welcoming and irish so you have to go because you're gonna do 400 other interviews you're coming on the rewatchables though you promised me yeah we'll do a movie because now you have a little time plus you're in la and it's a pandemic 
I've got nothing but time. You'll have time. What's your next What's your next big project? Is it Fletch or is it something else? Fletch will hopefully go in the springtime, maybe May of 2021. Hopefully there will be in a different mask situation by then. Um, the next thing I'm doing is, um, you know, Top Gun comes out in June, hopefully. I know, but you filmed that like 10 years ago. <laughs> I know, it's so crazy. Um, the next thing I'm doing, though, is uh, a small film up in Vancouver um, that's an independent that, you know, hopefully people will see somehow, but it's a little psychological thriller. That's, Oh, I like psychological thrillers. It's kind of like, uh, got a lot of shared DNA with, uh, being John Malkovich in some Mm. ways. So it's not being John Hamm. That's not what it is, but it's, it's, who is your Top Gun character? My, my call sign. Yeah. What was it? Cyclone. Can you say it? I, I just did. Cyclone. Yeah. Cyclone. Did you get to pick that, or they told you no, you're they cyclone? Give it to you. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> how how are you? Like the who are you in Top Gun? Like uh, without giving up too much away, are you are you on I'm, Maverick's I, side? Or are you anti Maverick? You know, eventually everyone's on Maverick's side. Okay, good. Uh, but I, you know, I'm I'm kind of the boss. I run the I run the air wing. I'm the air boss. So it's kind of you know, it's a uh, I'm the authority figure to which Maverick bristles i'm outraged that this isn't out yet like why can't netflix just be like fuck it and pay 500 million dollars and just show it on december 23rd like we all wouldn't watch top gun what are you doing netflix you have more money than god i will tell you you will absolutely love this movie of course i will what are you talking about i've been waiting for this forever it is a visual high five like it is exactly what you think it's going to be they showed it to us like we all went to Paramount and we had to sit, you know, 15 feet apart in a, right. movie, in a dark movie theater with masks on. And I was like, I know what happens in the movie. And I was like, jaw to the floor. It's so uh, the plane stuff is so cool. I can't even tell you. And, and it's there's it's all real. Like these are all planes that are mm. actually being flown around. That's why it took forever to shoot because you had to have a clear day and, you know, the you're still like managing $80 million aircraft that are owned by the taxpayers. So it's, there's a lot of uh, hoops to jump through, but um, it's awesome. I, I cannot wait for people to see it. It's. I'm outraged that it's not out. Come on, Netflix. Plus like I have like a ton of Glenn Powell stock that I'm just, it's like having rookie cards of Mahomes or something. I'm just kind of waiting, <laughs> waiting for well, the I mean, cards to go up. But come on, Powell's like blowing up. He's Mr. Netflix, isn't he? He's like Mr. Long. No, but that Top Gun, this was going to be it. This was going to be like his I'm, Mahomes you know I'm not worried. I'm not worried for Glenn. I think he's good. You're not worried for Powell? He's, nah, he's good. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm making you come on the rewatchables in the next Do couple it. months. Let's pick a fun one. Good to see you. Likewise, good luck with Powell. the movie. It's Thanks, out. Man. It's out already, by the way. Go. Yeah, people well, can get on an app or whatever. Go stream it. All right. Bye, Ham. Later. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right, first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. 
you can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, a award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, Peter Schrager is here. You can watch him on Good Morning Football on NFL Network. You can see him on Fox. He's somehow working a ton, even though nobody can really go anywhere. We're going to start with the Jets. The Jets were the team du jour this week from a talk show, talking point, um, what the F is going on standpoint. They single-handedly kept the Raiders in the playoff picture. They single-handedly kept their hopes for Trevor Lawrence alive. There was a big debate about whether they did that intentionally or not after it happened. And then the debate was solved when they fired Greg Williams the next morning. So they were trying to win that game. They were just completely incompetent. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I've spoken to folks within the Jets organization since that game and that play. And I was, you know, with a twinkle in my eye, like, yeah, but it kind of worked out, right? And to a man, they're all like, no, that was fucking heartbreaking and, and gut-wrenching. I'm like, really? And it's like, you have to think of it from that, like, Gase gets nothing out of this if they go winless. Like, there's nothing for his, and the players, I think that's what really hurt. Like, they had two backup running backs run for 200 yards total, and they were excited. They're like, all right, we don't have to go to Frank Gore for three plays a game. We saw something, and they wanted it. Like, the players wanted it, the coaches wanted it. And from everything I hear, it's Greg Williams went rogue and made this call, but the the answer to that a lot of people have said since and other organizations have reached out to me because I was preaching this. It's like Gase has the final say and at any point Gase could have overruled Greg Williams. There could have been a timeout. There could have been a million things done, but the probability of that all out blitz call to make that in that situation. And it was the second time he did it because he did it with the Aguilar play also yep. is just insane. It's an insane play and he didn't make it past 8 a.m. the next day. Yeah, it's malpractice. It's the equivalent of if you're up th up three in a basketball game with like 10 seconds left and you just quadruple team the center next to the basket and leave four three-point shooters open. It makes no sense at all. They uh, have a legitimate chance to go in 16 now. Interestingly enough, 
I have them marked down in the long shot parlay category. They're playing Seattle. They're getting 13 and a half points. And we're going to get to that later when we, uh, when we do million dollar picks. But I, I do feel like the more I read and the more I looked at the whole jets thing, there is something to all the guys on that team, not wanting to be in an Owen 16 team. Like I think there's such a huge difference between one and 15 which a lot of teams have that have been in that situation over there's including my beloved Patriots at least once. Oh, and 16 is different. That now you're you're like the reverse 72 Dolphins in some way. And so I can't imagine what's in it for them. That's the piece I can't figure out. Why would they want to go in 16? They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They never would. And the coaches don't want it because it's such a black mark. You might never ever coach again. Uh, I would also say this though, on the flip side of it. I was thinking, does it matter? Is 0-16, what everyone says, tank for Trevor? Like, here's the, the carrot of the 0-16. You guarantee yourself that first overall pick. And what you might not realize when you're looking at it and saying, oh, well, they get Trevor Lawrence, you also might have a leg up on the coaching hire. So when you mm. have Trevor Lawrence, it's like that's an attractive piece for a coach to walk into. You say, all right, uh, not only do we have this New York market and we've got all this crazy draft picks and the salary cap – but you're also going to get Trevor Lawrence if you want him, if you want to keep Darnold and do something with the pick, whatever. But like, that's where the wrinkle is. It's if I'm a coach and I'm picking between Jacksonville, the jets or Detroit or wherever it is, it's like, well, shit, I can get Trevor Lawrence. That's a nice perk to have. You want that first overall pick. This was the mistake that the liar Rick Pitino made. He took the Celtics presidency in the 50 million before he found out what was going to happen in the Duncan lottery. Yeah. And then, of course, because he lies about stuff, well, afterwards, it's like, you know, the Boston, we got off to a bad start. We didn't win the Duncan lottery. And it's like, yeah, you didn't have to go. You could have waited yeah. to see what happened. But I, I'm with you. Like, if you lock down that first pick, that is such a carrot to dangle. Who is the, give me the top two coaching possibilities out there well, right that's now. that's the thing. There's two different ways to go about this. You can go the Eric Bieniemy route and you can say, all right, this guy's been a great coordinator and he's ready and it's his time and Eric will be a coach this year. Or with that number one overall pick, you now have the ability to go huge swing. Like, you know, I work with Nate Burleson um, on Good Morning Football. He works with Bill Cower every day. Bill Cower has an apartment in Manhattan, a wife who loves, the, loves football, uh, kids who are long out of college. Like, do you then have an opportunity to now open that door and say, all right, let's at least talk to Cower and say, Trevor Lawrence, money, the team that's in your market. Like, you can't do that with maybe the three pick or the four pick because it's, I don't know. But there is now suddenly a different conversation starter. And whether it be Cower or whether it be a Pat Fitzgerald up at Northwestern or whether it be even a Dabo Swinney and say, Hey, come with Trevor. Like at least you can start that conversation. I don't think you can have that conversation unless you have that first overall pick. I was thinking Dabo Sweeney or Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh. I don't see happening. How it's, come? Cause the Gase, uh, you know, gruff around the edges, rough with them. Like, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to be the disciplinary. Like, and then Harbaugh is that times two. And he's coming off this losing run with Michigan. I, did, I don't see it. I don't think it excites the fan base. I don't think this is the year for it. And I don't know if it's what works right now. I, Harbaugh to the Jets. Everyone makes that in here in this market. But I think you've got a lot better chance at different names. And like, you know, a couple of years ago, they had a coaching search and came down to a few names. It was Cliff Kingsbury, Matt Rule, um, 
Mike McCarthy and Adam Gase. And I don't, I don't know if it was the wrong choice or not, but like if they had signed McCarthy for five years, they'd be in the same spot I think they are right now. So they have to get it right this time. Well, they could, they could have had Matt Rule, right? They, they wanted yeah. input on who his assistants were and stuff, but that was the guy they should have gotten. It goes both mistake. ways. It, well, it was like, okay, you could say it that way, or you could say Matt Rule, who at that point was a year earlier than when he left, was a middling college coach. He's like, I want to bring my entire staff with me. And like the, that kind oh. of thing. And it's the Jets are saying, well, okay, but all right, let's think this over. Now, Parcells told Rule, like, do not go there unless you get to bring your guys with you. And yeah. at the end of the day, Rule backed out of it and was like, I'm not doing that. And a year later, David Tepper comes to his house and says, bring whoever you want. And if you look at their staff right now, it's a 30-year-old offensive coordinator and a guy named Phil Snow, who had very little experience at the NFL level as their defensive coordinator. That was his DC at Baylor. So he actually did get his way and got all the money. Keep it on the AFCs because it's weirdly the most interesting division right now. You have the Patriots. By the time people hear this, we'll know what happened in the Pats Rams game. We're we're taping this before that, but yeah, the Patriots lingering and having a classic Patriots. How the hell is this team even six and six season? You have the Dolphins, who have a pivotal game against the Chiefs this week, who have been all over the map this season. There yeah. was there was a moment when I was like, oh my god, this is like the sleeper in the AFC. And then the Tua thing, that bandwagon, it, it didn't hit a guardrail, but it definitely blew a tire. And then Feels we weird. fixed the tire. Now it's going again, but I'm not sure if we could drive it to 65. And then Buffalo, whose stock has never been higher. So let's talk about Miami first. I don't think they can run the ball well enough um, to be taken seriously against this Chiefs team this week. And in general, like you look at that big Arizona win they had, and then it's like, all right, is Arizona even that good? And you start going backwards over some of their wins and it, and it's clear that we overrated them. I include myself a little bit. Um, at the same time, great coach, young team, young teams seem to get better as the season goes along. Is that a playoff team to you? Miami's interesting because you're right. I don't know the offensive firepower is there to keep up with the Kansas city. If it becomes that kind of game, but they're defensively really good. Number two defense in the league. They're really well coached. They don't mess up. And their special teams is lights out. So it feels like one of those Patriots teams where you're like, we're not scoring a lot of points, but if we hang around, we can win. Um, but you're right, Bill. To beat the Bengals and the Jets the past two weeks and to have that weird deal with, is Tua injured? Is he not injured? I'm not going into this one with a ton of confidence. Um, the running back situation, they, I thought they found their guy in the Salvin Ahmed. He got hurt. Yeah, Miles Gaskin shows up last week. He doesn't, you know, light it up or anything, but it's been a rotating door there. Um, I think they've started five running backs this year. They have. Is that right? Because Jordan, Jordan Howard's Howard. not even on the team anymore. They've Matt Breida was in there. Breida's still around, and then they've got, uh, you know, and a then bunch then there's of guys one other ones, yeah. Laird, number 41, who, you know, randomly gets carries here and there. But their deal is defense, and Van Noy's been really good, Byron Jones has been really good, and they've got this corner, Xavier Howard, who no one taught me. Here's the thing. We watch these games where they're on the small window in the seventh CBS game with whoever calling it. Dolphins have not had a lot of prime time or a lot of like right. dance and Romo games. So not a lot of people have really seen them. Xavier Howard might be the best defensive player in football. You can't throw on him. So if you take out Tyreek Hill, you can hang around in this game a little bit. I just, I don't see it. I think the Chiefs get the job done here. So the Dolphins are eight and four, but they have Casey in New England next two weeks at Vegas, at Buffalo. Pretty brutal schedule. And the Vegas game is a Saturday night game, too. 
Buffalo ending it. It'll be interesting. Buffalo might not have anything to play for in that game. Isn't that crazy? They might, they wrap might it be, up. Yeah, yeah, they might be locked into a three seed with kind of nowhere to go with it, and that's it. So um, I don't know if this is a must-must win, but I do think if they beat the Chiefs this week, oh, yeah. then it's like, oh, oh, here we go. I, yeah. I just don't see it. Buffalo is coming off a fantastic win. All right, and so let, let me they, ask they, you straight up. I think Did they you... ruined Robert Salah's uh, <laughs> coaching candidacy for next year. How couldn't he be a leading head coach hire after he got decimated like that? The guy's name is Brian Dable. He was with the Patriots. He was with Alabama. He's the offensive coordinator. That was like Queen's Gambit shit. Like he completely just outmaneuvered Salah on like a national stage. It was like, here, I'm going to just X and O everything out of you. And Cole Beasley is going to go absolutely bonkers. I'll ask you straight You know up. what it was like? It was like watching a basketball game where the other team has big guys and the, the offense figures out how to basically play this ISO ball and just put the big guys in space and torch them over and over again. And you could tell the other team's like, fuck, what do we do? We don't have an answer. That's what they were doing for four. I was stunned. I bet on the Niners. I couldn't believe it. They were, they were annihilated. It was the most lopsided game of the weekend. And we had huge blowouts this weekend. I, I, I say this kidding, like, cause like a lot of people were just footballed out. They didn't watch that game. Cause there was yeah. football, all things, or whatever, all Sunday. Then there was another Monday game with Steelers and the Washington. And everyone was like, I can't do another game. I stayed up and watched the whole game. It was the best game Josh Allen has ever played. He Agree. was unbelievable. And I said the next morning, I'm like, the rest of the league better take notice. Cause I don't know if the Steelers can beat the Chiefs. I really don't. I don't know if they just have, like, I don't see it. That Bills team that played Monday night can beat anybody. And I know those Buffalo fans, they go wild and they, you know, we don't get respect. We don't get respect. Like everyone needs to respect what they're doing because their defense is solid. They're always going to be solid. But like Josh Allen's not making mistakes. And he, he was awesome on Monday night. He was awesome. I, it's funny. I looked at that game and initially I liked the Bills. Then I talked myself into the Niners and the whole Shanahan thing and the Bills yeah. looking ahead to the Pittsburgh game. And I, I honestly didn't think the Bills had that game in them. Allen was perfect. I thought Amazing. that was one of the best quarterback games I watched all year. And I'm including Mahomes and a couple of the Rodgers yeah. games, all that other stuff. He just destroyed them. And you think about the AFC, I, I just like their team more than Pittsburgh because of the injuries Pittsburgh's had. They lost two of their best four guys on defense. And there's no way they have the same defense. I don't think Ben looks great. I think he's okay. I, I don't think he's great. I think their receivers drop a lot of balls, and I don't think they're very good at running the ball. And I said that to Shazier last week, and Shazier, who obviously bleeds black yeah. and gold, but even yeah. he's like, yeah, we can't really run the ball that well. I mean, so I it might have been a team that peaked the first 10 weeks of the season, but we've seen this every year. We see teams like that, that as we head into the December, January months, they kind of lose steam because of injuries, because of the cold weather, whatever. It feels like they might be that team. Yeah, we've seen it. Titans team with Kerry Collins start off like nine and zero. The Chiefs a couple of years back, I think with Trent Green or yep. maybe someone were like ten and zero, and then they kind of fade away. But you know, they had fourth and one. They don't want to bring out their kicker because he's untested, so they're going to keep him on the sideline. And the play call was a wheel route to a rookie, Anthony McFarland, who has five catches on the year and yeah. it's an incomplete. And afterwards, they're asking Tomlin, and you know, Tomlin is always he'll tell like he's like that was our first option. And I'm like, was it though? Like you have all these receivers, yeah. and uh, Eric Ebron was atrocious not only this week but in the Ravens game too. And you know, Fox had this wonderful feature before the game, and I love these like pregame features, and it's five minutes on 
Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool and how good they are at TikTok and how these guys have mastered TikTok and Claypool's really good at the transitions. And like in my heart of hearts, I'm like, I know this is a, is a man yelling at a cloud, but like, gosh, this is not Steelers football. We're talking about TikTok before. And, you know, and sure enough, Juju and Claypool just did not show up in that game. So the injuries are real. Uh, Bud Dupree was awesome this year and all respect to the, the rookie Highsmith. Um, he's not Bud Dupree. And Robert Spillane, who had a couple good plays and has been solid, is not Devin Bush. It's, it's nothing insulting. It's just that's the wear and tear of the season. And Devin Bush and Bud Dupree are two of the best defensive players in the sport. Listen, if you lose two of your best forward players on defense, your defense is going to be as good. If you if we took off any of the two best giants for the rest of the year, guess what? Defense isn't as yeah. good. You need luck with this stuff. And Steelers I think they've had bad luck. Sen- they're sensitive to this, though. Like, they are very sensitive. Like, they don't want to hear that they're not the best team. Like Because all season, I've been pretty cocksure about it. I'm like, yeah, but they're not going to beat the Chiefs. Like, this is cute. This is fun. But, like, now I really believe – like. They were, they were worse in the Baltimore game than they were in the Washington game, and they gave up a 14 nothing lead in the Washington game. And I know the NFL jerked them around a little bit with the schedule, and they, they haven't had a bye week and all this stuff. Kind of tough darts. Like, if you're going to be with those teams, I, and I don't see them beating uh, Kansas City right now, and I certainly I'd be scared of Buffalo this weekend based on the way Buffalo played. Well, and the elephant in the room is Roethlisberger just doesn't look good. Yeah. He's serviceable because he's older. He has the know-how. He knows what to do, but he's just at a different stage of his career. And I don't think throw to throw when you actually really watch the Steelers, like, you know, the red, the Washington game, that was the only game on. I watched the whole game throw to throw. He's just not consistent and throws are a yard behind somebody. They're a little short. They're a split second late. He can still do some of the great physical stuff that he does where he just sheds, you know, gets away from a pass rusher or somebody bounces off him. But I don't think his arm looks the same. Yeah. If they have that one seed and the bye, they could could find themselves in the Super Bowl. I don't know if I see them going on the road three times and beating teams like the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Titans in – and I know they, they, they waxed the Titans early in the season. I just don't know if I could see it in the playoffs going through that gauntlet with what they're doing right now. Well, and that's we're going to do million-dollar picks in a second. That's one of the reasons I love the Chiefs in a tease this week because they can smell the one seed now. Yep. And they got at Miami this week, at New Orleans next week. It's going to be the really tough one. Yeah. Home Atlanta, home Chargers. So it, you figure it all, it's, it's all going to come down to that New Orleans game, but right now they're behind Pittsburgh because they lost in conference. Yeah, and I think that's interesting. The tiebreaker is conference games, and I believe the Chiefs have just two more, and the Steelers still have four more to go. And the Steelers' schedule is not easy, and it's all like Buffalo and all those type of teams, and it's the AFC North teams. And I don't know. If the Steelers right now were to end the season, they would be the one seed, but I'd be hard-pressed to think they're not going to lose another game for the rest of the way. That's not – I don't think it ends that way. I just don't. Yeah. And the the big thing for me with the Steelers is when you can't run the ball at this point in the season, it does two things. One, you can't protect leads and you just don't have the ball enough. So you're just putting so much pressure either on your quarterback to be perfect or your defense to make plays. I, I don't like the way they look. And I really, I think Buffalo is, has to be the number two team though. I look Buffalo. at it as KC one, Buffalo two. I think there's a slight drop off then Pittsburgh three. I think that's fair. I think we're in agreement. Buffalo, not only this past week, but like they looked really good against the Chargers and that Chargers game was mishandled by Anthony Lynn and we could talk about that. But the game they lost to the Cardinals in Arizona with the Hail Mary and all that stuff, Josh Mm. Allen had an incredible drive 
to take the lead to end that game where I was like, shit, he is good. Like, he is good. He, he had that pass to be, he had three passes to Beasley on the drive. Then he yep. had the pass to Diggs, which was an incredible catch. And I'm like, he's so dialed in. And I talked to all those Buffalo guys, the coaching staff, the GM, they're like, he's amazing. Like, he is right. the guy. And I had my doubts going into this season. We all did, especially after that playoff game where he kind of just like went bonkers in the second half last year. But he's been really good all season long. And I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to face him in the playoffs, and especially if they're at home in Buffalo, like even without fans, just those conditions. His game is built for that. Well, I said, I think one or two weeks ago, I was like, he's the quarterback you don't want to bet for or against. Yeah, stay away. You definitely I, don't want to bet against him because he does what he does that Niners game, and I, I, felt, I felt the brunt of that on Monday night. I was having such a good week. <laughs> I, to me, this is the week that he becomes the guy I'm not afraid to bet on because they're yeah. going to be one of my million-dollar picks, and I'm pretty confident in them. Last, last note on the running thing, the four worst teams by yards per rush right now are... Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Atlanta, and Miami. They're all 3.7 yards a carry. 3.7 is bad. It is. I mean, it that's is. like, that basically means you're not getting any breakaway runs at all. And you're you're somewhere between two and four yards a carry. And once in a while, somebody run for seven yards. But that's that's pretty bad. And I, I got to say, I would have probably guessed those would have been the four teams. The only ones that's a little surprising is the Colts. Yeah, because they have all those running backs. They seem to be doing well in fantasy football, but they're doing a lot right. of it out of the receiving game. All right. Million dollar picks in a second. We're going to take a break. Hey, there's a reason why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Simple app, great odds, unique fun bet types like same game parlay, exclusive, always on promotions. Oh, and if you win, they even get your winning safely in as little as 24 hours. Right now, they're letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet. FanDuel will refund you up to 1000 back if you don't win your first bet. Seriously, no strings attached. If you win, keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get the entire bet up to $1,000 back in site credit. We're about to do million-dollar picks. I'm going to give you some bets I love. We already tipped one off. We love Buffalo this week, but you'll have to wait for all the million-dollar picks to uh, to decide which one you like the most. And if you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Sports app, Sportsbook app to get started and be sure to sign up with promo code BS so they know I sent you. FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code BS. Must be 21 plus, President Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, or Tennessee. First online real money wager only. Site credit non-withdrawable expires 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 800 bets off in Iowa. 800 done with in Indiana. 800 gambler in Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Illinois. Tennessee red line is 800 889-9789 or 1800gambler.net in West Virginia. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm 
is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that, made with high quality ingredients like seasoned slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. All right, let's do it. Million dollar pick. So last week I was doing awesome. And then the the Niners really let me down. I won $103,000 last week. I'm up $399 for the season. The big one, um, the big most fun bet was hit the Giants 50K plus 385 over Seattle. I had them with Washington 19 to 1 as a parlay I was going to do for 50K. And Shazier. Oh. Shazier, yeah, I sent Shazier some some texts. Yeah, talk me out of it. It's like we're not going to lose to Washington. I'm like, all right, you're right. <laughs> so up I ended up, nothing. Yeah, I just did the Giants. So that would have been our best long shot parlay of the year. Um, note to self: don't listen to Shazier and the Steelers. Yeah, might be biased. Maybe. Um, no, it was, it was funny. We were going back and forth. He's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> um, all right, first game, Giants. This allows us to talk to the Giants. The Giants. Vegas does not believe. Giants are two and a half point favorites at home against the Cardinals. Now, from a DVOA standpoint, Arizona's 13th, Giants are 24th, but you just got to look at the last two months. The Giants have been good really for two months now. They've been either close in a game or they've won a game. They they have won their last four. They almost won that Tampa game. They came damn close, so it almost was five. Meanwhile, Arizona is on a virtual... Five-game losing streak. They lose to Miami. They win the Hail Mary game against Buffalo, which they never should have won. Lose to Seattle, lose to New England, lose to the the uh, Rams. And more importantly, uh, Kyler's not Kyler anymore. And he's just no. not. And, and it's a big struggle if you have them. I have them on both fantasy teams. Fantasy playoffs coming up. Trying to figure out if I'm going to start him this week when he doesn't run the ball anymore and he's clearly hurt and they're saying he's fine and it's turned into this thing where it's like, you know, the season's going to end and they're going to be like, oh, he had exploratory yeah. surgery on his right shoulder, whatever is wrong with him. But if he's not going to run the ball, I don't think they can beat anybody with a good defense. And the Giants have a good defense. What do you think? Did you watch um, the first half of Cardinals Rams? The Rams controlled the ball for, I think, 23 minutes. The Cardinals had it for about six minutes. Barring a last minute drive where they put up some yards. Kyler had completed one pass in the first He was like half. one for nine at one point. One yeah. for nine, and Hopkins was steaming. Like, yeah. Hopkins is sitting there on the sideline, like, why, why are we throwing the ball to Dan Arnold and Chase Edmonds? Like, I'm on this team. And they eventually got some yards, and I'm sure he filled the stat box at the end of the day. But they're certainly not the same humming offense that it was. Meanwhile, the Giants, and I think this would be a good opportunity to make You love this. I do. I love this crap, man. <laughs> I, I love a guy who is a punching bag and then can maybe sit back. I look at Dave Gettleman right now. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if you were talking about Joe Judge there. You could have you could have like picked your punching bag. I'm going with D- Gettleman, 68 years old, trades away Odell, gets crushed in this market every day on sports radio for three years. Gettleman's got to go. Gettleman's got to go. Signed James Bradbury for a very small contract. He's awesome. Signs Leonard Williams. People are like, why would you do that? He's awesome. And then these draft picks, there's guys, Bill, I'll be honest, I didn't know who Nico Lalos was, flying all over the field. Carter Coughlin, Trey Crowder, they have a really good young defense. And guess what? 
Jabril Peppers is awesome, and he plays safety and was part of that Odell Beckham trade. So yeah. they, their GM, their coach, everyone wanted to you know laugh these guys out of town. They just went with Colt McCoy into Seattle and won, and I wouldn't bet against this Giants team. They, they will run through a wall figuratively and literally. Like I spoke with Golden Tate last week because he and Judge obviously had their issues. Golden wasn't getting the ball, was upset, and I'm like, where are we and they at? Be- they benched him. They benched him. They didn't send him on a, on a road trip. They were like, you're not coming to Washington with us. Like, go find what the heck is going on. And I thought he might get traded. And he's like, it's hard not to want to play for this guy. Like, he, he walks the walk. He talks the talk. And we're a young team. And we love playing for him. So I, that is like – I hear that stuff. It's intoxicating, especially off of four straight wins. I wouldn't bet against the Giants right now, especially historically, what this team, this franchise does once they get hot. He did a couple important culture things, right? He, he, whatever was going on with him and Golden Tate, he handled it. Yeah. Didn't bring him on a trip. It's like, well, fuck you. Don't come on the trip yep. then. Did the thing with the offensive line coach that was incorrectly reported as a fist fight, but whatever. <laughs> he fired the guy. Obviously, yeah. he didn't like what he saw. But I think over and over again, when you study the really good football coaches, that first year, they have to establish themselves in a few different ways. He clearly did. But you're talking about Gettleman. The Beckham trade looks like a heist now for the Giants, right? They got the 17th pick of Peppers for a guy who just can't stay on the football field for whatever reason. I don't think the Browns would say they regret it because they're 9-3 and it works out. But, like, Dexter Lawrence is really good up front. Zeitler is an important piece of the offensive line. And Jabril Peppers is is great. So, like, you got three players for the price of one. And Odell is Odell. And, like, you know, whatever on that. But – and he wasn't going to be happy with whoever the quarterbacks were in New York. Anyway, so you, you hit that one. You hit um, the not taking Sam Darnold yep. and taking Barkley, who, I listen, I'm I'm like the only one who still defends that pick. I think Barkley's <laughs> one of the best running backs I've ever seen. He got hurt. Yeah. If he wasn't hurt, there's a scenario where Barkley's, you know, rushing for 125 sure. yards a game with this defense, and it feels like this 80s hey, kind of you know Giants team. Barkley's a great dude. Like he yeah. great, he's a great kid. Like he's fantastic, and everyone loves him. And when Joe Judge had them running laps this summer, Saquon Barkley's like, "All right, let's go run laps." That is so like that is so big, and a lot of these running backs in the league aren't running laps. I promise you that. So that's so he where, hits that one, and then he hits the Joe Judge hire, which we all made fun of, including me on this podcast. It's like, why they hired Joe Judge? That guy, yes. it, it heard five words about Joe Judge. So I, I feel like the the uh, Belichick coaching tree has made a huge comeback this year. It has. And I think you made a good point about the first year because remember Brian Flores' his first year last year. They didn't win a ton of games early, but like you set up the building blocks and then next year you're ready to go. And even Ron Rivera in Washington this year, you bench Haskins, which a lot of young coaches might not have done or other coaches, like benching Haskins, he's not good enough to be the quarterback. Alex Smith and Kyle Allen are better. We're going to just go with it. I'll ride the media criticism. Team looks around that. The younger guys are like, all right, like, okay, I can roll with that. Yeah, and, and Flores is another good example of, like, establishing yourself where Fitzpatrick's not happy. They got him out of there. Yeah. They got picks for him. And it's like, all right, you're not happy? Go. Um, sure. We're going to mark this one down. It's Giants plus two and a half. My only fear with it is it looks too easy, and I don't know why the Giants aren't favored. And it, my only guess is, I, I, you know, maybe people aren't watching the Cardinals. Maybe they don't realize what Kyler's looked like the last couple of weeks, but he's not the same guy. So mark that one down. Next one, um, we're going to do Raiders-Colts. And when I sent this to you, I sent it wrong. I had Raiders plus three over the Colts. I actually would 
would lean toward the Colts in this game. So there's some good stuff in favor of the Colts. Right now it's Colts minus two and a half. Um, mm-hmm. They're seventh in DVOA. Vegas is 18th. Vegas has thrown us off because they beat the Chiefs, Browns, and Saints this year. Yep. So the ceiling of them, the ceiling just seems high for them. Here's the thing. Vegas, they're five. I looked this up. I did some research. They're five and oh when Josh Jacobs rushes for at least 75 yards. So he's done it five times. They've won all five games. Um, He's hurt. He's either not playing or if he's playing, he's going to be playing hurt. He's not practicing as we're taping this on Thursday. One of the things that sucks about doing picks on Thursdays is you kind of have to guess, but even if he plays, he's not going to be healthy. Meanwhile, the Colts, they, they are fourth best in the league right now against the run. Um, They're the type of, it's a good, this is a good matchup for them because they kind of swallow up the run. Anyway, if it's no Josh Jacobs, Raiders won't be able to run the ball at all. Then Carr has to do his stuff. I don't love this Colts team. And I've been wrong on the AFC South pretty much every week, which worries me. But I just look at this like Vegas should be six and six. The Jets should have beaten them. The Colts are clearly on a slightly different level. And I think defensively now that Leonard is back, they just seem better to me. What do you think? I like that I'm getting less than three on a team that I think is three points better. All right. So they got the doors blown off them against the Titans. Yeah. Got absolutely rocked. And I spoke to guys in Indy and they're like, I, you got to realize how important DeForest Buckner and Danico Autry are. And neither one of those guys were on the field that game. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. And I thought the Texans should have beaten them last week. Like, I'm not in on the Colts. I think that offense is Are shaky. those guys still out? No, they're back. They're back. And they were good last week. They were fine. It, they were out for yeah, COVID that's two weeks ago. Right. They were fine. But I, I thought that might have been the reason why. But, like, if Deshaun Watson doesn't fumble that snap at the end, we might be looking at the Colts in a tailspin. So, Vegas, they win. They get by the Jets. I, it was maybe their worst effort of the season other than the week before against the Falcons. I think this is the get-right game. I honestly do. I like Vegas here. I like Gruden speaking to these guys right now. And I think Derek Carr has a lot more at stake in these final four weeks than any other quarterback. And I I don't know. I feel like Vegas might be the pick here over the Colts, who I just don't see them generating the offense of late. And I certainly don't trust Phillip Rivers in a big AFC West opponent right now. Listen, I was dying for you to talk me out of this game. I marked it down. I had the Colts. I only thought there was value. But you just talked me out of probably. I'm going to mark them down, but you you probably talked me out of it. This because, is a good matchup of quarterbacks I don't really want to put my money on, right? Like Rivers and Carr. I'm wrong on the AFC South every week. Tennessee, yeah. Colts, doesn't matter. I'm wrong. And I thought Houston was going to beat the Colts last week and somehow oh. the Colts covered because of the Sean Fumble. All right, next one I, you're not going to talk me out of. Bills minus two and a half over the Steelers. Buffalo is a Hail Mary away from six straight. Buffalo's biggest weakness, you can run the ball down their throats. Pittsburgh can't run. Buffalo's given up 4.7 yards per attempt. Doesn't matter. Pittsburgh can't run the ball. I just like the matchup. I think Allen's going to be able to move around and do the stuff he does. There's a real swagger developing with the Buffalo receivers that I like. Yep. Um, I would say if you're going to do the receiver swagger rankings. They're up there. 
Yeah, they're in like the final four. I don't know yeah. if they win the title, but they're definitely one of the first four. Who else is in that conversation? Oh, you got to like with the Vikings, with Thielen and uh, Jefferson yeah. doing their dancing. Uh, even though it's all Devontae Adams, you have to like that it's Devontae Adams and what they've got going on. They're pretty confident. And then, of course, the Chiefs have about a thousand receivers. Yeah, so I would say that probably Chiefs, Bills in the finals. Um, yeah. And I, I just don't like the way the Steelers are playing. I know it's like, a, oh, you know, I, I hate having the pick going against a team that looked bad last week, but this is their third game in 12 days. I don't like that piece. And I think sometimes teams, whether they know it or not, you can kind of grasp onto the excuse piece of this a little bit too, where it's like they got screwed by some of this COVID stuff. Yeah, All these games got bunched together. They lose to a Washington team that, frankly, they should have beaten no matter what happened. And I don't like the spot for them. I think the Bills should be three-point favorites. I like getting the extra half point. A couple little wrinkles here. Last year, they played on a Sunday night game in, I think, week 15. And the Steelers come out of commercial, start of the fourth quarter, renegade from sticks is blasting. It's ice cold. And Josh Allen marches that team right down the field in Pittsburgh Mm. and scores a touchdown and wins that game for them and really puts them in the playoffs. And it's like, okay, that was like a big boy win right there. Here we are a year later. I think he's better. I think they're better. And I think they're not going to be scared of the moment. Like that was to me a big win for them last year to show that we belong on this stage. Also that receiver group you're talking about, what's really fun about them. And you know, the names it's Diggs and Beasley and it's this kid, Gabriel. And, um, and of course you've got uh, Isaiah McKenzie. But like, if you watch the Dawson Knox touchdown, Diggs sells out to give a block, like throws his body in front. And you're like, yeah, they, they're, they're selfless. Like, they're, they don't care who catches the ball and, and who gets it done. So, as Gabriel Davis, not Gabriel's his last name, but it's his first name. But I like them. I like this team. And you said swagger is important. I think they're coming off a huge victory last week against the Niners. I would go Bills, and I would go Bills big here. Beasley's had a couple of awesome games this year. In the Cardinals game, on the last drive before the Hail Mary, he so was good. out of control. It was like he turned into, like, Julian Edelman at the end of a Super Bowl which made me wonder, has he grabbed the title? Because oh. Julian Edelman vacated Ooh. it basically last year. Has he grabbed the scrappy, reliable white receiver title from Edelman? I, I don't even know. I got, got a great stat for you. This is why you have me on. Last week, his touchdown, his 33rd career touchdown, is the all-time record for men under five foot eight in the NFL. He owns the record. He is the scrappy white guy. When we do the logo, the Jerry West logo of scrappy white guy, it's going to have this great blonde flowing mane. He beat out Darren Sproles who had 32, but now he is the current record holder, 33. He's really hit his stride. His hair, his hair is really flowing. It's just a great job by him all the way around. And he's kind of unstoppable. He's really good. Ian Eagle had a funny line in that game when they beat the, or when they played the Cardinals and they lost. And he's like, he had it in the man bun early, then he pulled out the scrunchie, and now it's long. Like, he, Beasley's got a personality, too. Like, he's a cool character in this league, and I think he kind of sets the tone for them. Their, their wide receivers coach, which is deep in the woods, weeds here, is a guy named Chad Hall. He is Matt Stafford's brother-in-law, but he played in the league for, like, the Eagles and the 49ers, and he, too, was, like, a 5'8 receiver at an Air Force and was just, yeah. like, a tough-as-nails guy. If you go – you might remember him, but he kind of sets the tone also. He's a barker and all this stuff. Like, they're a proud bunch, and I, I think the Bills are, are on the side. I really do. I know we're pro-Bills here right now, and they can lose by 40, but I really feel good about them. I feel good about them, too. And, I, you know, Warren Sharp talked about this on our pod a couple weeks ago that he did with House on Ringer NFL Show kind of going backwards when when the bills threw us off their scent 
And there were a couple things that were just kind of dumb. Like they had a coat. There was like a COVID game. Mm-hmm. There was another, like a really bad weather game. Chiefs in the rain. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, and then they had a weird Jets game. And, yep. and it was around, just like, and then, we were, and then we were all kind of just out on the bills. And um, we should know better by now. November, December, that's who you want to target. And, and all right, they're, so they're coached well. Like McDermott, Leslie Frazier, and Brian Dable, all three of them could be head coaches. They're all just like, they're like very well coached and they don't mess up. And that's what I want in the team. Well, I also like that they had a taste last year in January. Yeah. And they had, they had a lead, they made mistakes, they blew the game, but at least I, I like having like the experience of, Oh yeah, that's, we were in a playoff game. That's the NBA stuff, right? Like, yeah. all right, we went through it. We were a young team and now we're going to spend the entire off season trying to beef up so we could beat the Pistons, you know? Yeah. Next one. Browns Ravens. This would to me is like that Colts game where I had it marked down. There's stuff I like, and I'm not sure I'm ready to, Pull the trigger, but Browns are favored by one and a half over the Ravens. Week one, Baltimore beat them by 32 points. Yeah. DVOA, Baltimore's eighth, Cleveland's 23rd. Baltimore's hmm. coming off a nice win this week. Mm-hmm. People are a little hot on the Browns. Uh, they looked awesome last week. I think when they're up 10 points, they're one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. They look unstoppable. I want to take the Browns more because I don't believe in the Ravens. <clears throat> and I think the Ravens are fraudulent. Um, I just, there's something about them. It doesn't add up to me this year. And I think it's one of those things where like Dallas is literally the perfect team for them to play. Dallas is a sieve against the run. You saw it last week. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Like, and Zerline's missing field goals. Like, oh my God. Dallas, yeah. And then Dallas quit in the fourth quarter. So it's like, you're coming off that game and it's like, oh, the Ravens. And it's like, no, I'm not, no, don't do that yet. If they won this game, I'd feel differently. But the Browns are favored by one and a half. And uh, leaning toward the Browns, what do you think? I'll, I'll tell you this. The Ravens got knocked on their ass by this COVID bug, and it was different than the other teams. They had four different strains of COVID going through their organization. One of them was like the really bad COVID, whatever. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. But I can tell you, Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, two of the biggest guys on the team, Calais is a monster, six seven, And I think Brandon Williams is known as Big Baby, number 98. They were on their asses, like, for, like, five days. Like, can't get out of bed, like, that bad. They get up, they get activated, whatever, and they weren't themselves. They were probably 70 to 80% of themselves against the Cowboys. I'm not sure if they're going to get back to what they are. So if you're expecting just, all right, they did the 10 days, like, we're good. I don't think this Ravens team is going to – they had 25 people throughout the organization not have contact tracing, have COVID-19. I think it shook them to their core, and it was great that they won – on was it Tuesday, Monday? I don't even know the days anymore. It was a great win. It was fine. They beat the Cowboys. Um, but this Browns team is like the last thing they want to face right now. A Browns team that just held Derrick Henry to 60 yards. I just feel like this this could be Stefanski just scheming everything. And I love the Ravens defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale. He's a great coach and he's a good motivator. But this to me is like Chubb, Hunt, Baker, a couple big plays, and it's going to be a grinded out game. And I think it actually favors the Browns. Well, and then on top of all the COVID stuff you said, sorry, as you were talking, I was looking this up. So they play Wednesday against Pittsburgh, then Tuesday, Dallas, and then this is going to be a uh, Monday, Cleveland. Yeah. Um, it's weird. It's it, a hard one. You, you know, I guess one thing that's in their favor, if this was a normal at Cleveland game with the 70,000 people losing their minds, that's even tougher for them. But I do you believe in Lamar down three, five minutes left? 
what's the, where's the empirical data that I can say yes? You know, like I did, there's never been a game where it's, all right, Lamar, go and lead us. And it hasn't been this season. It's tough. I like Lamar. I think, I think he's a great player. Obviously, he was the MVP. But, like, this game is going to be a one-score game, and they're going to need Lamar to make a play. And I don't know. I don't know if Baker can make it either, but I, I just trust the, the Browns' offense right now more than the Ravens' offense. All right, last – we're going to mark down the Browns. Last one. There's going to be a tease that I'm going to do, even though it, it's, it looks like almost beware of the tease week because there's three easy ones. But – Chiefs Dolphins, we talked about it. I don't think you can beat this Chiefs team unless you can run the ball really well. And the specific Belichick 2007 uh, had to beat the 07 Patriots blueprint against Belichick. Mm -hmm. But, you know, shorten the game, long drives. Rush the quarterback, knock him on his ass, all that. Yeah, The Dolphins can do the defensive part of that a little bit with Mahomes, but they're not going to be able to run the ball. And I I don't think they're going to be able to have the ball long enough to beat the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are one of those teams, if the more they have it, the worse it is for you. And I don't know. I it, The fact that they can smell the one seed now, I'm throwing them in a tease. So the Chiefs are minus the seven. Dolphins. Yeah, I don't see it either. I, I just think it's a different class of teams. All due respect. I also don't think two is ready to win a game like that where he would have to win the game. I don't see it. So I want to tease the Chiefs with either the Saints who are minus six and a half against the Eagles or the Packers who are minus seven and a half against the Lions. I'll tell you what scares me about Packers Lions. Lions win that crazy game, the big comeback game against the Bears, but their dudes were really into it. Like if you're looking at the sideline reaction, stuff like that, there was some fuck you Patricia potential. And you think like they've had the DeAndre Swift concussion thing, which is really scary. I don't know if he's playing this week. Galladay has been banged up. And that was a game where I bet on the Bears and I was like, Oh, well, you're, up, you're up 10 with two minutes left. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. Um, but there was a resilience with the Lions that uh, worried me a little. What, what are your thoughts on that game, Packers-Lions? I think this, this number 12 on Green Bay and this number 17 on Green Bay are so dialed in yep. that this one is going to be a, an explosion again. They are so good on offense right now. I mean, everyone knows it's going to him, and they go to him every single play and he catches it every single time because they are just perfect together. So I, 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 that could have been one of those deals where Detroit rallied for Daryl Bevel and were excited, and we, I can't see the Lions keeping this one close. The Packers' offense is a juggernaut right now. That's how I was feeling. I'm glad you made that case. The other ones. <laughs> hey, so, I have a question for you. Is Devontae Adams the Offensive Player of the Year this year? We know MVP is one thing. Is he that guy? Because last year, I think it was Michael Thomas. Gurley was like another year. If it's a non-quarterback, is he the, is it him? Is it Kelsey? Who would you say is just throwing your hat in the ring for someone? It's funny. Camaro was the obvious yep. write-it-down guy. And then um, once Breeze went out, his season kind of fell apart, at least from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, I guess Adams would be like slightly in the lead right now, right? But it still feels like the last four weeks are going to decide. You're right. We, you know, you guys. I like when you and Sal talk about it. Like every week, we talk about the MVP like it's a thing, and it just changes week to week. But you know what? It's good conversation. It's good fodder. And by the way, all that, all the folks on in the media, and I texted you this, who are like, "How could Russell Wilson never get an MVP vote? If we did the vote right now, Russell Wilson would not get an MVP vote." Yeah. It's, he's, it's going to be another goose egg for him this year. Yeah, the, the, the more egregious thing is that we kicked Mahomes to the side when he's the best player in the league and we all knew it. And then 
there was this week where everybody looked at each other. It was like, oh, Mahomes is going to win the MVP. Yeah. And of course, Sal and I didn't bet on it. Last, <laughs> last tease possibility, Saints-Eagles. Saints are minus six and a half. The Eagles are playing Jalen Hurts. I'm going to make a quick case for why I don't think Jalen Hurts will be the elixir. Okay, I'm here. He's the type of quarterback that you have to like come up with a different kind of offense, right? If you if you bring him in, it's like, you know, that the default case would be what the ball what Baltimore did with Lamar. Yeah. But just in general, he's a different kind of quarterback. You're gonna do different things. You're gonna do more play action, rollouts, uh, quick pat. Not the offense they have now. I'm not convinced in a week from what I've seen from this disaster of an Eagles coaching staff that they've been in the bunker figuring out, yeah, figuring out how to like reconstruct this offense. And if you're just putting Jalen hurts in the old Philly offense against this saints defense, I don't see it because he looked good in that first drive. But after that, that, that was really it for Jalen hurts. So I think it's a tough spot for him. What you can argue is that he brought some energy to the rest of the team. And like, you know, Rager returns that punt right away. The defense starts playing a little better. And you could say that maybe this is the catalyst. This is the elixir. And that this guy, just from an emotional lift standpoint, can help the team. But I'm with you. I, I, don't, I don't know what, like, you know, it's him versus Taysom Hill. I feel like it's a 1970s, like, you know, football game where we're going to scheme you with the wishbone and, you know, four running backs and do all this stuff. Like, Jalen Hurts, I don't, he's not your Justin Herbert. Plug him in right now. He's going to throw it 40 times out of the, you know, I think you're right. I think he needs to be the number one and get the reps and have things kind of adjusted for him to, to do that. Um, and yet I'm not sold on New Orleans' offense. I really am not. So I'm not either. I don't, I don't know if they win by a touchdown. I, there's a chance that just the mere fact that Jalen Hurts is under center, that these Eagles players are like, shit, we're still alive and we got a new guy and we're going to play for him. Um, I would stay away. I don't know. I don't like the, I don't like either team in this one. What about the Saints just to win? Yeah, that I like. I do. And I think well, that's what Saints, we need from a tease. I just need them to win okay. by a point. Yeah, okay. I think the Saints win, but I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think they all of a sudden light it up with 45 points. I, I'm really curious to see what happens if and when Breeze comes back because they're winning games, but I don't come away from like the Kendall Hinton game, whatever. Taysom Hill didn't look great. And then last week, like Atlanta had their opportunities. So, I never apologize for a win, but it's certainly not this slam dunk of like, wow, this looks like the Super Bowl champions just as they are right now. We're going to mark all those games down for teases. Uh, long shot parlay of the week, Miami plus 275 against KC, crossing them off. Vikings plus 250 against Tampa Bay. Now, here's mm. the case against the Vikings. Tampa's actually really good stopping the run. Yep. You'd figure if the Vikings are going to beat Tampa because they ran the ball well. Um, I just don't think the Bucs are very good, at least this year. Where like I, I think you can catch them, but I don't think it's this Minnesota team, and I, I don't see Cousins doing it. I guess the case would be Jefferson just goes nuts. Yeah, I would say Tampa off a bye week is huge. And just listening to Brady this week, he's done a couple media things. Like I, I think that bye week was important. I think they got their rest and it's like, all right, buckle up. I'm going to take you guys right now. I feel like Tampa's about to turn things around and I might regret saying this. Just that bye week could not have come at a, at a greater time and it didn't come off some horrible blowout loss. Like I like the way they finished against Kansas city. I like the bye week. 
And I like Brady now, like a little refreshed and like focused and saying, all right, I'm Tom Brady. Like, let's go. I, I think mm. Tampa might, might hit that other gear right now. Well, our only other long shot is the Jets plus 500 against uh, the Seahawks. Five Let's talk about that game. Let's talk so about it. Mims is out. And I thought yeah. Mims looked pretty good the it last awesome. couple of weeks. He, it's been great. This, this was what a this rookie draft where it's like Mims is like the ninth best receiver in the draft. And yep. another year, he'd be like the second best receiver. But it looks like he's not playing. Um, yeah. Now, I don't, want, I don't want to say that's the reason I wouldn't take the Jets plus 500. But that bummed me out because I actually thought they were moving the ball and they had a little something, something last week. What do you think? They ran for 200 yards with guys that I quite honestly don't know much about. Some guy, Johnson, another guy, and this is with Frank Gore, who for whatever reason, Adam Gase and Dal Loggins, who are both, whatever, they've been in the league. Like Frank Gore carries the ball, it feels like every single play for the Jets. It took a concussion right. for them to try one of their young guys. And of course they go for 200 yards. And my other thing with this is the Jamal Adams factor, which back in August, we would have been like, Ooh, and like now we forgot about it because Adams isn't having the season and the Jets are whatever. But like, there was a lot of stuff thrown on the way out there that there's a lot of pride in that Jets building. Like, Ooh. I think they might rally around that a little bit and be like, you know, screw this guy. Let's go beat him and let's go do this for, for ourselves because he thought he was better than us and, you know, all this stuff. And granted, the Jets are winless and Jamal Adams is going to go to the playoffs most likely. And maybe he was right for saying all that stuff. But I think there is a rallying cry around we just fired our defensive coordinator. This guy's on the other side. Like let's prove the world wrong. This is the one game. Let's show everyone that we can do it. It's worth the long shot. All right. So we have to parlay them with either. Let's see. Here are our choices. You ready? Mm -hmm. Um, Bengals plus one sixty over Dallas. The Andy Dalton goal. All right. What else? Jags plus 285 against Tennessee. No. Um, uh, this, this is probably the leader. Uh, Washington plus 150 at San Francisco. At Arizona. Let's go. Let's do Washington. Okay. So that is going to be... Oh, that's 14 to 1. Let's... I mean, let's... Why even that play sounds, the games? It's money. Let's go. That sounds great. Jets, Washington, fourteen to one. All right. What do you make of the What do you make of the Niners deal that they're living in? And it's not. I'll tell you this. I, you know, it's all one percent problems here. But it's not exactly. Uh, they're not staying at the uh, Rosewood. I'll tell you uh, in Arizona. It, this is this is a, they're away for the holidays. They just lost that game. They're kind of out of the playoff picture right now. Shanahan always gets them to fight, but like. They're living in Arizona for the next three weeks with a one practice field that's outside next to the stadium in Glendale. Like, I don't know. So I'm intimately familiar with this because my daughter, some of her club soccer stuff had to happen in Arizona. Once you get about a half hour past Scottsdale, Phoenix, from a hotel standpoint, it gets grim. Like we're talking motel six level. So I don't need, I can't even imagine where they're staying. Plus a lot of the hotels are closed. I, Shazier and I, we were talking about it last week about there was a, this resiliency that the Niners team had with all the, all the yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. that they've had this year. And I wonder if Monday night just broke them. Absolutely. And now they're yeah. like, Oh man, fuck this. Let's, let's just go home. So i talked to the guys. Like it's interesting. Like they're not allowed to take Uber, but they can rent a car. I think they're allowed to rent a house. There's like a few of them and they're just, but like not all of them can. And the NFL needs to oversee it. Like, 
I, I think it's a bigger hurdle than people are making. I guess when everyone was taking the Niners to beat Buffalo, I got it. Like, let's all rally together. We just beat the Rams. But, like, this these last few weeks before it kind of snowballs, like, I don't know where their mental heads are going to be, the players, knowing that they're now pretty much out of the playoff picture. Million-dollar picks for week 14. <laughs> let's hear we're it. up three ninety nine for the season. Here's what we're doing. We're putting 300K on the following teams. The New York Giants, plus two and a half over the Arizona Cardinals. The Buffalo Bills, minus two and a half over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then we are doing a $300,000 tease. Chiefs minus seven, Packers minus seven and a half, both tees down six points. That's for 300K. Now, two, two more bets. 200K and Browns minus one and a half over the Ravens. Oof, straight up. Let's go. And then 200K on a three-team tease. <laughs> Chiefs, Chiefs, Saints, Packers. All three. Saints down to a half. Chiefs down to one. Packers down to a half point. I get plus 150 on that. So 200K plus 150. I win that's 300K the, if that wins. That, that's the last one before we get to the long shot. That last one is the bet of the week. That's it. And then long shot, Jets, Washington, 14 to 1. I'm going to throw 50K on that one. Both Why teams not? have to win. Jets, Washington, 14 to 1. Peter Schrager, you can see him on Good Morning Football every day. You can see him on Fox this week, right? Every Sunday morning, Fox NFL kickoff at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Thank you, Bill. All right. Good to see you, my friend. That's it for the podcast. Don't forget to check out Ringer Dish. Me and Jacoby doing the challenge every Wednesday night. Don't forget about the Book of Basketball. We did Rick Barry. One more coming up this uh, in 2020 next week, and that's it. Rewatchables is coming next week on Monday. And, uh, and Cousin and I are coming on Sunday night. Enjoy the weekend. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. What you use in your personal care routine matters, so upgrade your lineup with Dr. Squatch. They have high-performing natural products with no harmful ingredients. That'll have you looking and smelling your best, like their Wood Barrel Bourbon Bar Soap and Lotion or their Bay Rum Deodorant. They even have some limited edition soaps like their Avengers and Star Wars collections. Those seem like they'd be fun to try. And right now, they have an amazing offer for new customers. Get 20% off your first purchase of any amount or a subscription order by going to drsquatch.com slash Simmons or use the code Simmons at checkout. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions, but right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code SIMMONS for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. 
That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com.